Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time, welcome. And let me explain. It's really, really simple. Me, the guest, or both of us are experiencing something for the first time, and we're going to talk about it. And to no surprise, we're going to talk about another movie. Um, I've been on a roll talking about movies, but I've really been loving it lately. It's been uh, a blast introducing people to movies and discovering new movies for myself. And I have a first-time guest again. So uh, today's guest is an artist, a David Bowie fanatic. You might have seen her dressed as Trudy from Reno 911 at a local convention or out saving baby possums. Welcome Brandy Moore to the show. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? It's going. It's going great. How's it going with you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm happy to have you on because... We had talked about doing this uh, maybe a month or two ago when we were having dinner with a group of friends and um, found out you were a big Lin Shea fan. You were on like a big kick. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, and we were talking about um, different movies that you have and haven't seen, and it came up that you had not seen uh, tonight's movie, and... Of course, anytime someone around me says they haven't seen something, I'm like, that's awesome. We should do a podcast about it. And uh, so finally found time for both of us, you know, in, in our crazy schedules to yeah. work it out. Yes, I'm excited to be here. This is my first official time on a podcast. So, yeah, so I'm excited. Me too. So I have a few questions for you because okay. my first um, time I met you, my first impression of you was when you were dressed as Trudy. <laughs> I think I, I don't remember if it was at Halloween Palooza or at Crypticon or where it was because I feel like any um, local convention that's your go-to thing. And yeah. I think y- you nail it so good that people probably actually think you are her. Yes, I have actually had people argue with me that I was her, and I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm re- I'm really not Carrie Kenny. No, I wish, but no. And then I'm sure other people probably um, are walking around a convention and see you and they're like, oh, shit, there's a cop here. Um, I do get that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like stuffing their weed in their boots, like, oh, God, <laughs> right. getting scared. But how, how did you how did that even get started? Like, I mean, you're known for that around here. How did um, how... when the show first came on, I th- believe it was in 2003, um, I was actually working at a sheriff's office as a dispatcher. Um, one of my deputies came downstairs and was like, hey, you look just like that chick from that show. And I was like, what show? And so I had to look her up and I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really do kind of look like her. And it's just kind of followed me everywhere I go, any agency that I've worked for. Um, uh, it's just, yeah, I played roller derby for a while and immediately the girls started calling me Trude. I hadn't told them anything about the Reno 911 thing. Um, it just, it just kind of sticks with me. Um, and then in 2017, I went down to Sonoy, Georgia, where they film The Walking Dead. I ran into a cosplayer there. Um, and he was cosplaying Eugene, who is like the most awkward person on The Walking Dead. Right. And he's like, hey, um, you look just like Trudy from Reno 911. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Every, everybody tells me this. Um, he's like, do you have do you have the uniform? Do you cosplay her? And I was like, no. He's like, you should. I'm going to be at Crypticon this July. We should take some photographs of like two of the most awkward people on television. It'd be so epic. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I immediately after I got home, I immediately ordered the uniform, got the got the badge, got the patches, got the name tag and even tracked down the little cat pin on her lapel. 
Um, and it just kind of started from there. He ended up not being able to go, but um, it was it was mind blowing. It was absolutely mind blowing. Just I wasn't expecting uh, the reception that I got as Trudy. I couldn't take two steps without somebody wanting a picture. So yeah, that's just kind of how it started. It's just kind of my thing now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because it's one of those shows, like when I watched it on Comedy Central, I felt like, you know, not enough people are watching it, but uh, it seems like everybody recognizes you. So you know that there's lots of fans out there. And it, Oh, it, yeah, there's there's way more than I ever imagined. Well, they, they had a resurgence on the short-lived Quibi that I have yet to get to. I, I've heard that, like, I think Pluto TV or, or one of the Roku or channel or something's picking up all of Quibi's stuff, so... Yeah, I did hear that. Did you ever check out the new season? I watched a couple episodes. It just, I don't know, it just, I don't know, I think maybe too much time has passed. Yeah. Um, it's just not the same as it was back then. And plus, with everybody needing to be so PC on TV now, there's just, there's a lot of stuff that they just you know, kind of shy away from. So it just wasn't the same. A lot of times when they try to reboot stuff like that, bring it back, it like, uh, I think community was sort of the same way where it just didn't have the same uh, magic that the original, even if they bring back the cast and writers and everything, it's just something about it changes. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I noticed that even Carrie Kinney was wearing a wig because, you know, her hair's blonde now and she, it's like shoulder length and uh, it just she just doesn't look the same either. So it's just I don't know. It just doesn't have the same appeal as it did back then. And I think on Quibi, they shot everything like in a weird um, aspect ratio because it was supposed to be watched on your phone. And it's, it's like shorter episodes or something. But yeah, they're very, very short episodes. I think they're like 15 minutes long. Yeah, they, they really were shooting for that. Like millennials are going to love this because it's short and you could just watch on your phone. And then they were like, we don't know what any of the stuff is. So they they marketed this weird app to the wrong group. Like the people who want to watch it are, are like our generation, not right. the, the young, young kids who don't remember it. So it's like, it, it was just a weird experiment, but I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'll probably check it out once it hits uh, Roku, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should. Um, I mean, I think anything's worth a watch one time. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't a hardcore enough fan that I would like cosplay, but we I mean we own the DVDs and uh, own the movie, and you know we've we've went and seen Nick Swartzen before, and right, we, yeah, it, and we we love the show, but it's not I don't even think it's in really in syndication. I never really see it on Comedy Central anymore. I know it's on Pluto TV. I think they actually ha it shows up on uh, the Comedy Central channel on Pluto TV. And I don't know if you knew this, but my picture is actually on several episodes in the fifth season as a mugshot in the squad room. Really? How did that yeah. happen? Um, when the movie came out, when Reno 911 Miami came out, they had a <laughs> and this is this is old school. They had a MySpace contest uh, for uh, a walk on roll on the show. Um, I ended up being a finalist, and us finalists got to have our pictures as a mugshot. Um, I, of course, you know, me being me, I noticed that they used mine the most, and they had actually a big, huge one that they had at the back of the room, and then they had a small one up on the on the whiteboard, too. So they, And I've actually got a screenshot of, of uh, there's one episode where they outsourced all their 911 calls to India. And Trudy, Trudy, yeah, Trudy and Rainisha are sitting at the table, and my mugshot is right above Trudy's head, which was actually pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Like, yeah. you, you're part of the history. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea, but that's awesome. Um, yeah. 
So other than that, like I said, you're you're an artist. Uh, I've seen. I had no idea. Like I've. I mean, I've got to know you a little bit better over the last several months. But uh, right. I've seen your drawing. It's just incredible. Yeah. Like, is that Thank something you. you've been doing for quite a while? Oh yeah, from from the time I could pick up a pencil. I'm kind of a casual artist. I just kind of. I have to be in the mood. I have ADD very badly, <laughs> so I have to like be like right in the zone in order to like get a piece accomplished. But yeah, I I love doing artwork. My daughter is an artist too, so it's just something that I guess just comes naturally for both of us. Yeah, I used to be a little more artistic. I'm I'm very guilty of like after college when I didn't have assignments i was like you know i've sort of lost the motivation and you know work and stuff but it's not an excuse i need to sort of get back into it but like watching you and mike draw together is just like freaking awesome yeah uh, that's that's one part of our relationship that i really love is that he's he's artistic and we both like kind of kind of you know nudge each other when we both reach it like an artistic block so yeah that's amazing well, the other thing I, I mentioned is that you're in sort of the inspiration for this episode. You're like a, you're a Lin Shay fanatic, and that's not something you hear very often. I mean, well, I was until I watched this movie. <laughs> that kind of knocked the wind out of my sails just a little tiny bit. I think you know, and we'll get to it later. But uh, yeah. I mean, she's she's like one of the few female character actors. Like, there's so many male character actors, but. She's one of those uh, actresses you see in films and you're like, I know her. What's she from? And she's in a million things in smaller roles. And then she, she's uh, recently sort of had a resurgence as far as leads go. Yeah. Uh, so it's been really cool, sort of cool to see her get like a second wind. Like she's been around. I oh, mean, absolutely. The, the movie we're talking about came out in 96, you know, yes. and we're talking now she's she's still she's getting leads now. And she's like a new sort of like a, a veteran scream, scream queen, if you will, because she's she's sort of taking like every horror role now. Oh, yeah. And then plus, you know, her brother is is the head of and created New Line Cinema. So, I mean, oh, it's just, I never put that together. Robert. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's her brother. And he actually is the is responsible for her getting a lot of of roles <laughs> back in the day. That sort of makes sense, because I can see not only obviously the name, but, um, you know, she's doing she does a lot of that stuff, but also I can see the resemblance like in their face. They sort of have a similar yeah. look. That's crazy. Yep. I figured when I had you on, I would learn something <laughs> in the first five minutes. So yeah, uh, I, I, when, when I, when this obsession first came on, I listened to like every single podcast that she was on. So like a lot of her stories are like ingrained in my mind. Cause she said that she recited like the same stories, like over and over and over again. So, yeah. So I have some Lin Shay knowledge. All right. So, well, we beat around the bush enough, and people already know what the topic is, but uh, today we're going to talk about Kingpin. Roy Munson had it all. You're on a gravy train with biscuit wheels. He was the golden boy of the bowling world. Watch the door. Want to make more money? Are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun, though, isn't it? Double or nothing, I can pick up that spare. Take that bet. How do you do that? But one night... Sometimes a bowler just has to face the music. He lost his innocence. And that bowler... It's you, Roy. And the one thing he needed most... It's a beautiful morning. Now, he's fallen as low as he can go. You still owe me another month's rent. If I were you... 
I would start doing some tongue exercises before Friday. But he'll do anything to get back to the big time. He just needs an Amish kid a hell of a ball. to lend him a hand. Your talent, my knowledge, you could be a champion. Why would a bowler need a manager? Someone who, who will be a loyal friend and never, ever turn on you. I'm just not interested. I hope you're rotten hell, you loser! You suck! Please meet our friend from Ohio, Brother Hezekiah. By tomorrow, they'll surely find out that you're a fraud. How's that? Take the horse's shoes off. How many children do you have? None that I know of. Took some doing, but I got them off. Where do you keep the new shoes? There is a tournament in Reno, Nevada in a few weeks. First prize is one million dollars. You're about to embark on a great adventure. Do not allow yourself to be corrupted. Nothing can make me stray. <laughs> You're a bona fide schmuck. We don't raise our hands in anger against others. Creators of Dumb and Dumber comes Woody Harrelson. How do I look? Randy Quaid. Whoa! <laughs> Vanessa Angel. Get your hands off me! And Bill Murray. I need you now more than ever I need you. Kingpin. You gotta play. Please make it, please make it, please make it. With the hand you're dealt. You wouldn't happen to have a Phillips head screwdriver, would you? Directed by the Farrelly Brothers. Okay, Kingpin, released July 26, 1996. Written by Barry Finero and Mort Nathan. Directed by the Farrelly Brothers, Pete, Peter and Bobby. Um, who everybody knows from Dumb and Dumber, There's Something About Mary, Me, Myself, and Irene, Shallow Hal, Stuck on You, Hall Pass, amongst many other dumb uh, comedy films. Uh, again, starring Woody Harrelson as Roy Munson, Randy Quaid as Ishmael, Vanessa Angel as Claudia, Bill Murray as Ernie McCracken, and, of course, Lynn Che as the landlady. Uh, this was your first time viewing. What did you overall think, like... Um, it was, honestly, it was just okay. It, it, I mean, I would watch it again. It was a good movie. It's just, I don't know. There was just something, well, besides the fact that Bill Murray was in it, I'm not a huge Bill Murray fan against popular opinion. You know, everybody loves Bill Murray. I do not. Um, overall, I liked it. Um, the The premise was good. Of course, it was like the stereotypical, you know, um, the underdog comes back at the end, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't really know what what else to to like say about it other than yeah, it was it was okay. I like seeing Randy Quaid in the in the role that he was in. Um, a little bit different for him, and I just want to know how they got him to look so young. Yeah, he was significantly older. Yeah, than yeah. than uh, I think. Uh, Vanessa Angel and Woody. He was he was older than both of them, and and obviously they're calling him kid through the whole movie. But yeah, yeah. he looks a lot younger. Oh, there's a, there was one point where Woody Harrelson does say that he's in his forties. Oh, does he? Yeah, but it's just like he he legit looked like he was in his twenties, and I just I the whole time we're watching it, I, I kept on mic. I was like, how'd they get him to look so young? Like it just that was crazy. Yeah, this is one of those movies. There was a sort of. Um, 
I don't know, wave of movies, but not just by the Farrelly brothers, but definitely they were like the kings of it. Like really sort of immature, dumb, gross, like like fart humor, really. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's like right. it's like cheap jokes, um, cheap laughs, one about tons of one liners, um, just sort of uh slap some slapstick thrown in there, a lot of gags, but um this this was something I watched probably in middle school, 96. Yeah, I would have been right, probably hitting my uh, teenage years. And for me, that was like pivotal. Like this kind of humor hit me right at the right time. Now, well, rewatching it, um, I was I hadn't watched it in maybe a few years, but it's something that if it's on cable, I'll I'll, I'll stop and watch. But um I don't know. It's it did it still holds up. I still laugh, but it's not as funny as I like to remember. Like right. it's it's sort of nostalgia more. It's like uh I'm sort of like want a little more and and it's sort of crazy to see like Peter and Bobby fairly after doing these movies. It's like every movie they did after like the train kept going and eventually comedy changed and wanted like you had to do a little bit more and it's Going right. sort of back to what you were saying with with Reno 911, like they they tried to do uh, Dumb and Dumber with and they even brought back Jim Carrey. And uh, it was not it just wasn't funny. Like their brand of humor is outdated now. Like right. It right. just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't hold up with our times. And it's not a matter of people not liking humor. It's just like the writing has gotten better and they sort of are stuck in this time period of like the 90s where you could get by and and they they rely on those sort of stereotypes of the underdog it's like we had this whole thing of i mean it's very typical yeah like you said the road the uh underdog coming back it's like we had to have this journey to get them there to this big finale and then the the, the, the script flips and you know it turns and and the underdog comes in but i think it is sort of cool like at the very beginning, it starts at uh, with Roy as a kid in Iowa learning to bowl, and I sort of forget right. that detail. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, it's, and it makes sense. Like people assume, like we don't have anything else to do, so we bowl here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I asked Mike if that was a real place, and he said he couldn't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I know that the bowling alley where he gets his hand taken off um shortly into the movie i read that that's a real place um that the bowling alley in that building actually is on the third floor i i think it's in like pennsylvania or something but um they that wasn't a location that was actually like a bowling alley that they used and, and they the whole like downstairs where they walk in and it looks like an empty abandoned building is it's all real wow yeah so once we sort of get our intro that, you know, Roy's learning to bowl in Iowa with his dad and it's, it's sort of like it starts as a feel good movie right away. Um, yeah. He's got a nice dad who's like, you're going to grow up to be something. Then we flash forward. It's in the 70s. He's the Iowa state champ. Um, it, it's during like the disco era. He's dancing. He's a ladies man. He's got a full head of hair. <laughs> he's he's rocking it, um, you know, and, and of course, uh Bill Murray plays Big Earn and he he comes over and he sees a uh something he can take advantage of cuz he's a true scumbag in this movie which yeah it's sort I, of funny because there's not a whole lot of likable characters outside of uh Ishmael in this movie. Right. I I asked Mike at the beginning when Bill Murray popped up on screen cuz I had forgotten that Bill Murray was even in this movie. I was like is he playing a douchebag? He's like yeah. I was like that figures. Well, you're you're a big 
Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Fan. Yes, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> so that's interesting to me that you're not huge on Bill Murray. Just I'm not like their humor is very very different. Um, they are, but, but it's just I think it I think it come, boils down to like who they are as a person, like in general too. Because I've heard so many horror stories about Bill Murray, like outside of acting, that he's just kind of a jerk. And so that like kind of detracts from it too. Well, yeah, he's always been, it's notorious that he, or he's notorious for like having that attitude of like being almost too self-aware. Like he knows he's Bill Murray can sort of do whatever he wants. So he does almost like, yeah. like Big Earn in this movie where he just fucks with people because he's, he knows who he is, you know? Yeah. And it's just not that, that kind of behavior really kind of pisses me off. So <laughs> I've, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anyone personally that's met him, but um, I I don't either. I've, we've all. I mean, I think there's like entire books of like Bill Bill Murray stories and stuff, and you know, yeah. he's got he's he's got that sort of um, like there's rumors, or I think it's actually pretty much confirmed. Like he he doesn't even have an agent, so you called it if you can somehow get this special phone number, you call and leave a message, and if he's interested in your project, he'll find a way to get a hold of you. But if he's not he will uh you'll just leave you hanging there's like no real way to get a hold of him wow but yeah this isn't going to be a whole episode on bill murray because uh because it, it, it's <laughs> well it's, it's interesting because at this time it's like he was king in the 80s you know with ghostbusters and what about yes. bob all this stuff and then i would say around this time 96 and stuff he was on sort of the downfall uh where he wasn't nearly as popular and then probably in the last 10 years or so he's he's gotten you know back into like indie stuff and doing wes anderson movies and and that but i looking back it's like you know this is this is something he would probably never do now because it's it's considered lowbrow humor and and sort of dumb gross out humor but uh back then i i thought he, he was pretty well cast i would say yes i would i would have to agree with that now i will say this i did like what about bob what about Bob is an amazing movie. I could probably quote it line for line. I've watched it that many times. It's been it's been a long time for me since I've seen that one, but I I know my parents used to love to watch it when I was a kid and I think it went over my head. Like I didn't quite Right. I, I was pretty young. I mean, I was yeah, probably elementary school. So I need to give that one a rewatch cuz it's considered one of his like classics. Yeah, it's it's good. I I would say well, aside from Ghostbusters, of course, I would say that well, Caddyshack wasn't bad, but um, but yeah, aside from Ghostbusters, I would say that What About Bob is probably up there with my favorite. If I had to pick a favorite Bill Murray movie, it would be up there. So yeah, he he wins, you know, the big game. Earn takes him under his shoulder. And we have some funny little jokes where um, where we find like Roy has sugar in his gas tank. He's at a gas station and, um, you know, Earn pulls up and he's like, oh, you know, you need a ride. It looks like, you know, you're under... Uh, under the weather like your your car's not working right whatever so he he basically convinces him like let's go hustle and win some money um he gets him to this secret bowling alley where they hustle a bunch of dudes for money um these guys figure out that it's a hustle they go to attack them and big earn in his um true douchebag move Mm-hmm. Uh, convinces Roy that to get out of the car and then he takes off leaves him here and, and that scene still bothers me just because it's like they didn't even like they could have just beat him up but they took his hand it's like that was he had so much potential and i know it's it's just a comedy but it's like that scene still gets to me because it's so uh just that was the first move like 
you know, not just, yeah. I don't know, they took away his future. Right. Not like breaking his kneecaps or something like that. It was, yeah, that just, yeah, that, that was, that was pretty hard to watch. Yeah. But, you know, of course, then we flash forward and, and this is sort of where we get our uh, first, first scene with Lin Shay. And, <laughs> and it's funny because um, when we were talking about you never seeing this, I'm like, I'm not sure you'll, you'll want to see this one with, with her role in it because the way they play her, um, we flash forward to Roy or uh, yeah, Roy. And he's now has a hook for a hand. He's broke. He's an alcoholic balding, um, can't pay his rent. And Lynch a is his landlady. He's, <laughs> he's selling bowling supplies to the local, or he's trying to sell bowling supplies to the local bowling alley. They're not buying them, but um, so he's, he's trying to do anything he can to get by, which includes trying to trick, the landlady so yes uh when he pulls up he has one of his friends pretend to um s- try to steal her purse he throws uh hot coffee in in his face and gets it back making him a hero so of course she's thankful oh don't worry about the rent till later or whatever of course this dumbass has his friend back over at the house she drops by to give him some liquor as a gift catches him and then they have to work out a deal. Uh, his reaction is how I felt. Yes. <laughs> like, literally, that's how I felt. Like, it was just like, oh, no. Yeah, they couldn't make her any more repulsive in this movie. Actually, uh, she did that to herself. Do well, you know this? Do you know this story? I had heard that she showed up to the casting, like, and they thought she was actually a homeless person. Yeah, um, she had actually, uh, she'd wanted this role. It's like, I don't know, I don't remember how she heard about it, but she'd wanted this role. Um, she worked on this character development for like six weeks, and she kept calling him and calling him and calling him, and nobody would call her back. And she's like, and she finally got through, and she's like, I really want this role. And they're like, Lynn, I don't think, I don't, this role is not right for you. This role is not right for you. She's like, please, I've been working on this for like six weeks. So like all the clothes, her teeth, how they looked. She said she, uh, uh, what was it, eggs, egg whites. Uh. She put in her mouth to make make them brown. And she like stringed out her hair like it, like it was. Um, she did all of that herself. Like that was all of her character development, how she talked. Um, but she showed up to, she, they finally gave her, gave her a shot. She showed up and she sat there in the waiting room for like 30 minutes. And I guess all the seats were full. So she was sitting on the floor and finally one of the guys that she knew walked by her and she's like, Hey, when am I going to get my shot? And they they were like, Lynn, is that you? (laughs) And she's like, yeah. He's like, we were about to call the cops. We thought you were a homeless person just hanging out. So yeah. So that's, that's pretty much how she got the job was, I mean, like the whole wardrobe, the way she talked, everything was all her. Yeah. And uh, and apparently that's not the first time she'd done that. She she'd really she's uh like early in her career, uh she was going to be on a like made for TV movie, and she read and it was only like a couple lines or something, and she was supposed to be like this lady in the kitchen, and she was supposed to come out of the kitchen, and she thought in her mind that she had had to come out with a turkey leg in her hand. And so she went and bought a turkey leg and she came out like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's keep that. And so, like, she she does that a lot for her character. She she puts her own little flair on them and it, it works. She probably doesn't necessarily have to do that anymore because I feel like uh, she's she's well known and respected now. It's like, oh, totally. Yeah. I imagine when they write something now, it's like, oh, we'll just write a Lynch Lynch type character. And, uh, you know, she sort of and several i mean horror franchises now they're just gunning for her because if you have her name on your poster you've got some notoriety 
Yeah. Um, I, of course, Insidious. Um, right. Man, that character. I'm, I'm so glad that they actually gave her, like, a full movie to explain her backstory and, like, what all happened. Um, that one, that one, was it The Lost Key? Was that the fourth yep. one? Yeah. It was so good. I, I, th- I would have to say that was my favorite out of the whole franchise. Yeah, I wasn't even like I went into it sort of completely blind. I had seen other three. So it's like, I'm not even going to really watch trailers. I'm going to watch it anyways. Let's just go in blind. And I was pretty um, blown away that they gave her like it, it, the movie is her. Like, it's not about oh, it's totally her. Yeah, yeah, it's not about anything but her character. And, uh, you know, fans want that. Like, I think uh, they, they heard fans saying, you know, that they love this character and, and she's a fantastic actress. So they decided oh, let's just give her a whole movie. But uh, yeah, that scene, she basically offers, like, if you have sex with me, you don't have to pay her rent. And then it flashes forward. She's smoking in bed. He's, yeah. he's in the bathroom throwing up and she slowly puts on that, like, uh, the sock or whatever. The, the, the uh, yeah, that it was at that part, part, but my stomach was like churning because it's like, I know that's her real leg, but I know that's not her real, like, varicose veins, but her legs are so skinny. She's like little chicken legs. Yeah. And it was just like, uh, uh no yeah total gross out humor but yeah um, i i do remember as a kid like watching that and we were just like all like mortified but we all sort of knew like an old like a lady that was like that in the neighborhood that would yell at us like <laughs> we had like i think like a neighbor that anytime we try to cut through a yard or we're playing out in the yard she'd come out and yell at us and we'd be like that's the landlady from kingpin wow and yeah. there was actually there was a skit on saturday night live that that uh, I don't remember what the character's name was, but it was Sherry O'Terry that played it. And she sat on, on her porch and anytime kids were playing, it something came into her yard. She's like, that's it. I keep it now. And that was <laughs> like the whole thing. I keep it now. So that's, that's like what that reminds me of is that, is that character. Yeah. Um, we sort of, when we moved into the house we live in now, we have na- a, like a neighbor with uh, three kids and they were not really, uh, respectful of our property so they would leave their stuff in our driveway and our yard their toys and stuff and um i i guess i'm guessing the people that we bought the house from were much more lenient because they had kids themselves but right um nikki and i not huge fans of kids so <laughs> we would come home and find their stuff and we live right by a bluff and we would throw them those toys down, oh, no. down the bluff and they learned very quickly like they need to respect their toys and i think right. that's a good lesson like when I was a kid, if I left my my toys on the floor, my dad would step on them and break them. It's like, well, you shouldn't have left on the floor. So I learned very quickly, put them away where they belong. Right, you know? exactly. It's I know it's tough love, and I'm just like a big meanie. They probably hate <laughs> me, but it was like, I'd get out of my car, there'd be a basketball. i just punt that thing down the bluff, and they'd never see it again. <laughs> I ran over the kid's bike, and that was on accident. He, he left it in my driveway on the other side of the garage door. And so when I opened the garage door, I couldn't see it behind my car. Uh, backed over it but it's like don't you shouldn't have left it there exactly like i always had to lock up my bike put it in the shed my parents were always like convinced that someone was going to steal it and yeah we're, we're very poor so it was like you have to take care of everything but uh yep. that's my grandparents whole... were like the two yeah. with my bike yeah that's a whole different discussion but it just makes me think <laughs> of that thing um so yeah the landlady um what yeah, a very repulsive scene, but um again, very much in the fairly line. Like they love this type of stuff. Um, you know, and, and even made my like I think maybe now, like what rewatching as an adult watching um 
Roy throw up was just I hate the sound of throwing up and it was not it was very convincing like I was I I looked at Mike and I was like that's so appropriate that's kind of how I feel right now <laughs> yeah yeah I mean she, but, she's got yeah, the forgot, cigarette lit yeah and... but I forgot one part of it she actually glued um fake eyelashes in her nose to make it look like long nose hairs oh yeah yeah she yeah. she did a great job of just being oh she was amazing so repulsive and and it's it, it takes something for an actress that like to it's like there's some actresses that have such a big ego they wouldn't do that right i mean right exactly and she knew what they were looking for in this role and she took it and dialed up to 11 to make it that more repulsive which made the scene yes um and i mean she wasn't even in the movie but maybe five minutes total right um did you did you happen i don't know which version you watch but there's that one blooper at the very end of the movie like yep. after the credits the extent oh, the extended yes scene. and she does she does the tongue thing like for <laughs> for five minutes it's just like oh yeah and it's uncomfortable because it goes on forever but then she yes. when she breaks character and starts laughing it's like yes. it makes you feel so much better like yes yeah yeah when we start when i started in on my my little lin Shay kick i don't know it just out of the blue it, it hit me i was like she was the teacher in Nightmare on Elm Street, wasn't she? And he goes, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, that's where I first saw her. Yeah, and it makes sense, you know, now that... I, I can't believe all these years I had no idea, didn't put two and two together with Shay. Yeah. Because he's sort of the godfather. Him and Robert England are in Wes Craven, obviously, like, are the ones responsible. You know, we got New Line... And Freddy's... Oh, you know, yeah. they, they say New Line Cinema is the house Freddy built, you know, so... Oh, totally. Totally. And, and if you look back on it, just the amount of movies that... I believe she's been in more than one with Robert England. That makes sense. Uh, 2001 Maniacs, I know, is one. And I don't I don't think he was... Was he in the second one, 2002 Maniacs? I don't know if that I've ever seen that one, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I know she's in it, but I haven't I haven't seen that one. She's sort of like... And not, not to compare them by looks, but um, now I'm drawing another blank. Um the actor that is uh, um in like rob zombies movies and uh clint howard she, oh, clint. not not like looks wise but like <laughs> they're they're both good actresses that are not afraid to be self-deprecating right and will go to like dial up to 11 for a character like she's she's a little more of a serious actor at times but people forget that he's really good um just because he's been in a lot of really bad movies but he's been in his brother's movies and he plays really good roles too he's just sort of totally like that uh, another but they sort of remind me of each other where they're like they're self-aware of what they can do you know yeah but he hasn't he hasn't like made a resurgence though like he he hasn't he hasn't come come to his fruition like like she did with hers i mean she's she's in her 70s i think her late 70s and look at all she's accomplished so far. Like, um, it's just amazing how many movies that she's she's been in lately. Um, I think I binged like twenty of her movies within like two weeks. Well, what <laughs> what started your kick with her? Like, just recently? Um, it was Insidious. I decided one day on a whim. Uh, Mike was at work and I was off, and I was looking for something to watch, and I watched Insidious, and I was like, "Huh, that Lynn Shay." Hmm. So then it just kind of it just kind of blossomed for there from there. I watched the first th- three Insidious movies, and then I we didn't I couldn't find the fourth one streaming. We ended up having to buy it on DVD, and then um, I found a whole bunch of her movies just streaming elsewhere. 
Um, Room for Rent is really good if you haven't seen it. Um, it's it's hard to watch in some part some parts. Um, it's about this widow that's just very lonely, and um, her her husband left her with a whole bunch of debt, so she's falling on desperate times, and she's just she's gonna rent out a room in her house, and it's it's a horror movie. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a horror movie, um, but it's it's kind of slow going. Um, but I would recommend it. It's it, like I said, it's it's really hard to watch in some parts, and you just you just feel for her character so much that yeah, it, I cried. I will say I cried just because I I felt felt bad for her. Is she the she, lead in it? Yeah, she's totally the lead in it. Cool. Yeah. So I have to check that out. Is it streaming anywhere? You say? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was on Hulu where okay. I watched it. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody has like every streaming service now. Yeah, right. It's just a matter of finding which one it's on. We have a Roku TV, so it's easy to just search from there, and then you just kind of pick where. Yeah, it, yeah, it tells you where it's streaming. That's yeah. nice and convenient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, back to Kingpin. Yes. Sorry. Oh no, that's that's what I love about podcasts <laughs> is that we can talk about anything and everything. Um, I could talk. I could talk about Lynn Shay for hours. Just well, the amount of stuff that I've I've learned about her. She's just she's just awesome. She's just an awesome lady yeah i'm a big fan too but not obviously i don't know don't have the background knowledge that you do i didn't even know, i didn't even know it was robert shay's sister and i'm sort yes. of like yes you sort of you've already blown my mind by that i'm just <laughs> gonna keep talking about that but um since uh roy is is selling while he's trying to sell supplies at the bowling alley he that's where he discovers ishmael and that is played by uh randy quaid who at that time like mid mid eighties to mid nineties was uh sort of on fire. It's sort of sad to see where he's at now. Like he and still he was still sane at that time. Right. He's on like the other end of the uh Lynche thing where he's oh, yeah. not taking lead roles. I mean he was I mean you think about his character in Christmas Vacation and this, like he was, you know, the go to guy for a while and it's yeah, he's he's gone crazy. I think at last I heard he was considering like a run for governor of California or something. Oh, well, last I heard that he and his wife had like fled to like Canada in order to uh, avoid like jail time. Yeah. Yeah. I I know that they've been in some legal trouble and he uh, him and his wife put out some uh, some sex tapes or something. I don't know. It's, oh, my. Yeah. I don't know if I want to watch that. I oh. think I don't remember if they brought him back for Independence Day, too. But I know that. No, he couldn't have because he died in that one. But um it's just sort of crazy to think like that was 94 this 96 like he he was doing big hollywood movies i mean he was at oh, the yeah. top of the game and now you know he eventually before right before he went crazy he was still doing stuff but it was like direct to video sequels like uh really bad i think he did like christmas story 2 and uh christmas vacation 2 or something like the the ones that don't have any other he was the only you know returning cast member that kind of thing yeah I'm I'm on IMDb right now. It looks like the last thing he was in was in 2018, uh, something called All You Can Eat, and then prior to that, it, his last like big role was in 2009. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, he just kind of. It's crazy because he's so good, especially in this. Oh, totally. like, like I said, he's the only likable character in this movie. He plays uh, an innocent, sort of dumb Amish kid that the community. Um, sort of still treats like a child, even though he's an adult because he's um, sort of clueless and he's he, they don't let him help out with the construction, with the uh, like working around the place that he basically is, is sent to watch out over the kids. Yeah. 
and they sort of pick on him too. Um, but he he's sort of funny because he he's has like the hot chick at the uh, at the Amish community, and he yeah. doesn't even really realize it. Like she's crushing on him, and and uh, Roy is sort of trying to hit on her, and she doesn't want anything to do with him. She likes uh, Ishmael. He's got that classic like page boy haircut. Oh my gosh, that hair! All the <laughs> all the hairstyles in this movie are just yeah just wrong <laughs> yeah they should have been like nominated for hairstyling because it's so funny like yeah i mean everybody and and it i imagine if you're like a pro bowler or a, a fan of, of professional bowling this would be as offensive as like ricky bobby was to racing fans you're probably right. like or if you if you can understand the humor but it really paints the bowling world in like the worst way but they do i i do think they have some cameos from pro bowlers in the movie so i think maybe they they sort of know this is so over the top and extreme that it's it's supposed to be funny but it's like the fact that they have like the odor eaters championship and i know right like the the best bowlers in the world are all sort of out of shape they ha they're all balding they're all sleazy uh they don't know how to dress they're all alcoholics yeah the the way they yeah. play the sport is not so great so mike would kill me for saying this and he will but I have to. So I guess Jason's been calling him Big Urn lately <laughs> because his hair, the last time I cut it, I left kind of a strip on top that's a lot longer and he won't let me cut it again, but it's gotten like super long that now his hair looks like Big Urns at the end of the movie. He's got like a flap. Yeah, it's it's totally a flap and it always is over on the other side. So it's like always flapping off. And so it's hilarious. <laughs> Just get him so, a bowling ball. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I, I I need to. I need to get in one of the the clear ones that has the skull inside it. Yeah, those are like I I took bowling in college, and it was it, like I'm still it's it's something like so strange. I needed like a some kind of extracurricular activity like credit to graduate, and it was like all the other stuff had filled up, but they had a bowling alley on campus, um, so I took bowling, and basically your grade was. Like you had to learn how to score by hand without using the machine and you had to sort of learn the techniques and the terms and stuff. And Oh, wow. But it was like they can't grade you on how good of a bowler you are because you can practice every day. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. There's some people right. who just pick up a ball and they're good at it. You know, it's like yeah. it. it, it it's always sort of been known as one of those sports that's non-athletic, but it really does it, take oh, skill is. and very. Yeah, you do have to yeah. be athletic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you have to have balance to not slip and fall when you know when you reach the end when you're throwing the ball. Right. Um, yeah, I was on a league when I was in fourth grade. Um, I was not good at all. <laughs> I did not last very long. Um, but yeah, it, I was always throwing it when like the the thing would come down to pick up the pins. Uh huh. Yeah. I would always throw the ball then, and it hit that 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 bar every time <laughs> I, yeah i remember in elementary they would like bring the bus and we'd have we had to get our parents to sign off on it and they would pick us up at the school and take us to the local bowling alley and i can't imagine being an employee at the bowling alley when they bus in like you know 50 second graders that are right. bowling oh i remember my friend uh nico he sort of shot he, he took the bat the bowling ball and he was really good at basketball so he sort of like sh like did it like a basketball shot and, and threw oh, it up no. in the air and <gasps> they had a drop down ceiling and it went up into one tile and fell through another tile oh, and then fell in the like lane next to us and dented the lane and i'm like god 
how did they not just like stop us and kick us out immediately like right and and it, we're just being shithead kids just you know it's like a day out of school let's let's go to the bowling alley and be idiots but it's like looking back at that i'm like how did they not just murder us right then and there right because even something like that that's extensive damage they have to replace a whole lane yeah because people take that serious and most bowling bowling alleys they do you know you'd always see like the regulars that were there practicing all the time. Uh, I know at our bowling alley here, they have uh, tournaments all the time, like, you know, professional tournaments where people win money and stuff. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, you gotta, you have to take care of those lanes. And I, my friend was a manager at the bowling alley here. And so I've seen behind the scenes and how they do all the stuff. And, you know, it's, it's not just like serving Shirley temples and, and cold beers. It's a lot of work. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, they he he discovers Ishmael there, and uh, he he tries to convince him like I'm I want to be your manager. You could go pro, and he's not having any of it. He's so innocent and nice. He's like, I don't want to be a pro bowler. I just have fun. But uh, this is when Roy shows up at the Amish community, <laughs> and this is probably one of my favorite. And and as a kid, I probably didn't recognize or realize half the jokes. Like I didn't get them. But um, right, he shows up there and tries. He pretends that he's Amish, and it's clear from the get-go that they, everybody can recognize that he's not he, he's a fraud but um they try to put him to work he, he causes a whole house to collapse they have try to have him in one of the grossest scenes after the um, landlady scene is when they ask him to or he, oh, he wakes up gosh. and says he milked milked a cow and he's <laughs> drinking the milk and they say we don't have a cow we have a bull as a kid yeah. i was like how did the bull not get get him you know but then oh. now that you know later in life i'm like oh jesus he's drinking yeah bull scene. yeah and then the then that one scene where the the bull's like chasing after him and his and his thing's like dragging the ground i, was, I had to i had to turn away i was like oh that's too much i can't do that but and the scene that still bothers me it bothered me when i was a kid too is when um because my grandparents um raised miniature horses is when he tells him to go in and reshoe the horse oh my gosh he took his whole hoofs off yeah, he's, like he's off the hoofs so it's like funny but god you know to think about him like actually in there sawing off the hooves is horrifying yeah because that's yeah that's not going to be uh good for the horse but i know it's it's dumb humor but it still freaks me out yeah but uh he he just managed to screw up over and over again but he eventually convinces uh ishmael to leave the amish community to come with him on a because it sounds like they're gonna have to foreclose on the property and this is very 90s movie thing and probably 80s too but more so this era where it always works out perfectly it's like we need a we need a half million dollars or we're gonna foreclose on the property and it, oh there's a bowling tournament for a yeah. million dollars for the winner and we can split it right down the middle right what are the odds the timing so perfect but um it's still very it's just so unbelievable but it, this is they can get by because it's a like sense like a dumb mindless comedy right movie. right but um this is where like the road trip starts um they basically go on this he's never been in a car so it's it's very much like a fish out of water situation um it's basically roy trying to teach ishmael uh the ropes of life but he's like the worst kind of person to teach anybody anything because he's totally. right away he's like you know um i've never smoked i've never drank I, I don't even like i've never watched tv and within like you know 10 minutes he's smoking drinking and doing everything oh, yeah. he's not supposed to be doing 
Um, it, to me, it just kind of seemed like Roy turned into Big Earn in oh, regards absolutely. to like douchiness. Well, like going back to the scene where where he gets the coffee at the at the convenience store and he's walking across the bridge and comes across that lady with the baby. Oh. <laughs> and he takes the baby's bottle and uses the milk from the bottle from for his coffee. It's just like, God, he's such a douche. And he spills the yeah spills the coffee on the baby's face. The hot yes, coffee. yes, yes. <laughs> uh yeah and uh he like just so many you know funny moments um he he's like some of the one-liners and and on their trip like when they're at the uh, hotel and he's flossing and he's like what are you doing over there mr munson and he's like i'm flossing he's like i thought it was munson this whole time he's like no my name is munson i'm flossing clean your teeth and then later when he's flossing he has all that nasty stuff on there yeah and it's on the on the um the mirror yeah yeah. Just more gross out humor, but um thirteen year old Tad just <laughs> loved this stuff. Um then eventually after several stops and several funny incidents, um, they end up at they he tries to convince uh Ishmael to help him hustle. And Ishmael is not a good liar, he's not an actor. They stop at this bowling alley and and I'm sort of just jumping all around, but they stop at this bowling alley and um they're they're trying to do the same hustle that lost him his hand which is is dumb because it's like dude you've already lost your hand trying this once you're gonna get fucked over again but the bartender sees right through it the bartender at this bowling alley he's like look if you want to play for some money come here tonight midnight they show up there they're bowling they they end up uh winning money but they find out that they didn't even have their share of the money so it looks like they're going to do the same thing to ishmael take his hands the lights go out and this is sort of where um we get uh vanessa angel as claudia into the movie like she was this guy's this other sort of villains um sort of trophy girl yeah, like, you, you, you kind of glossed over the nipple part, though, because that was that was the oh, most hilarious. Yeah, whole yeah. I mean, she they use Claudia at first, especially is sort of just eye candy at the bowling alley to distract guys. Um, she offers everybody a beer and, of course, obviously going to the freezer. Uh, her nipples get very hard. And then yeah. um, Ishmael, being very yes. <laughs> friendly, offers, no, I'll go get my own. He goes and he comes out and his nipples are frozen. And they're huge. <laughs> they're freaking huge. <laughs> that one actually still made me laugh out loud. Um, yeah, that part, I think that part made me laugh the most out of the whole entire movie. Because <laughs> I was like, that is so gross. <laughs> it's just, again, just that very dumb immature humor but um randy quaid just pulls it off so well he just plays an idiot so well and you know mike brought up a very good point last night um it was like woody harrelson and randy quaid had their roles reversed because at that point woody harrelson was just coming kind of coming off of being on cheers and being the woody character and being kind of stupid and dumb and naive and then randy quaid you know doing all these other roles that are kind of douchey so it was just like, you know, why did they pick, you know, Woody Harrelson to be Roy and Randy Quaid to be Ishmael? Because yeah. it was completely opposite of what they were used to playing, but it worked. It totally worked. It does work. And um, when I get to into a little bit of the trivia later, there's some some interesting tidbits about the casting as far as uh, that goes that might shine a little bit of light on it. But um from and from this point on, now they have a third wheel. Claudia um, escapes her abusive relationship and sort of hangs out with them, and she helps them hustle. 
um, by distracting guys while they're bowling. And, and again, one of my one of my other stupid favorite scenes is when um, they're they're bowling against a, a group of farmers and oh, yes. they're like stone faced. They they cannot be distracted by her. They have no interest in her. And so they they somehow get a sheep in there. Yeah, well, it was Ishmael's idea. Ishmael right. was like, "Oh, I got an idea." Yeah. They and they bring a sheep into the alley and then they all get distracted by the sheep and they they end up winning. So they yeah. they have this little sort of honey pot of money that they've saved up at all these stops along the way to Reno. Um and they eventually do get to Reno or there is a part where um Roy and her get into a big um, all-out fight, and oh, yeah. uh, and Ishmael overhears it and realizes that they're sort of both using him to get rich, and so he takes off on his own walking, and they sort of both realize like we're shitheads, um, we're not good friends. He's actually a good person, and they go looking for him and find him <laughs> at a strip club as a stripper. As a stripper. <laughs> This guy has fallen off so hard from his Amish ways at the be like like at the beginning of the movie he wouldn't even you know he didn't want to like do anything he didn't want to like smoke drink and he he was very critical of Roy and now you know flash forward and he's like up on stage stripping oh my gosh with the full makeup and like <laughs> after after they get him out of there and he's in the back seat and he's talking like I legit like laughed the whole entire time and it's just because I could not look at him. It was just so funny with all the because he had heavy, heavy makeup on and the, the red lipstick just accentuated the weird shape of his mouth. And it was just right. Hilarious. And and with his haircut and everything. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, that's that's sort of a testament on on uh, him as as far as Randy Quaid, another actor who's like not afraid to completely go for something uh, back then, at least, you know, he he would commit to a role and he was that character. Oh yeah. Well, the, another part though that, and I forgot to mention it then is when they, um, when, uh, it's the three of them and they come out of the, the rich guy's house, Claudia's boyfriend and Claudia's driving and she's like weaving in and out of cars and whatever. And, uh, Woody Harrelson's like, yeah, um, Ishmael, he's just, he's just so calm and blah, blah. blah. And they look in the back seat and he's got that look on his face. And he's, he's like, frozen. Oh. <laughs> he's frozen. And he's like, just frozen like the whole time. Oh my gosh. That look on his face was just amazing. Yeah. That was, that was great. Yeah. A lot of great physical comedy, especially from him. But, uh, yeah, we we eventually do after they after they find him stripping, they sort of all make up. They get to Reno um, and where they run into Big Earn for the first time since the big incident. So him and Roy and Big Earn sort of have their moment where, of course, he's a douchebag and he's like, you know, I haven't seen you since that incident. Did I hear about that? Oh, he grabs his rubber hand. He's like, oh, that is creepy. Uh, and eventually it leads to him like hitting on Claudia and Ishmael trying to punch him. Of yes. course, Ern moves out of the way. Ishmael breaks his hand. Ern wins again. Like he sort of now has both of their hands. Um, so what's the big conundrum? And once again, a very predictable sort of um, conclusion that you mentioned earlier is that Roy has to come back and bowl with yes. his rubber hand after 17 years and not bowling since that night. Yeah. And, and having, <laughs> and having no hand, I mean, yes. Out of all the unbelievable things in this movie, I guess that probably takes the cake, but, um, it, at this point, um, Claudius, Claudia bails on them again and, uh, takes all the money. So they think they're just completely screwed that they have to basically win this tournament to get the money. Um, 
And like I said, Ishmael can't bowl, so Big Earn has to step in. And of course, in typical like movie fashion, it comes down to Earn and Roy in the big finale. They're neck and neck. And what I do appreciate um, about this is in most movies, uh, it would have uh, Roy winning. Like Yes. I, and I sort of, I always, even though I've seen this several times, I always sort of forget how it ends. And it has Big Earn end up winning, of course, and and uh, Roy just can't believe it. He's he's still sitting there as the as the uh, janitor is coming in, sweeping <laughs> around him. Hand. Yeah, he swept his hand because Earn moved his hand off, right? oh. and he threw it in the audience. And then so the janitor is sweeping his hand, and then taps him on the shoulder with it. Yeah, yeah, he he goes to shake his hand. Yeah, rips it off <gasps> and throws it into the crowd. What a dickhead! But um, yeah. th- those bowling scenes are so good. Like. Um, Bill Murray playing that total tool of a bowler where he's playing up to the crowd and he's, he's sort of um, passive aggressively ripping on uh, Roy. It's just so many good one, one liners. And, and like you said, this is where like the pinnacle of his hair comes about. Like, Oh my gosh, I know it was so funny. As, Cause I kept looking at Mike and I was like, that's, that's your hair. That's your hair. The more he, he's like, <laughs> As the night goes on, his hair gets worse and worse. But um, it's funny because they still play it up like he's like a ladies man and the king of this world because they're still like the women are running up to him and kissing him. Yeah. Uh, And those commercial. Remember the commercial? Oh, my God. That's so funny. I thought about I thought about. Yeah. Like I'll I'll probably I'll probably put that clip of that commercial in here because it's so funny. But basically, uh, (laughs) Big Earn is volunteering. It's a commercial for him, like stepping up and being like a father to fatherless kids. So it's basically him like sleeping with the moms. Like, yeah, because it's all hot moms. (laughs) I'm Ernie McCracken. When I found out little Billy here was growing up without a daddy, I had to do something. When Big Earn saw our picture in the paper, he called the Unified Fund and got involved. I had to. I couldn't help myself. But little Billy's not the only one. There's also a little Jason here. Once again this year, I'll be sponsoring a fatherless family in every city I bowl in. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, Mr. McCracken's already there. <laughs> Jonathan! We're going to fly pattern all the way to the goal line. Tennessee. Kentucky. Final Beach. Deeper, Jonathan. It's a tough world. These kids nearly got munsoned, but they're back now. Through the Unified Fund, I found out that if you give a little, you can get back. And of course, he Roy sees this commercial and he's like got a cigarette in his mouth and he just cannot believe it, like falls out of his mouth. His jaw drops. He just it's like hit after hit after hit. Uh, Claudia has left them. They don't have the money. Um, And this is before they they do their bowling tournament. He sees it on the TV. He can't believe it. Eventually, uh, Claudia is sort of back with her abusive boyfriend. She asks the bartender while the boyfriend's away to turn on the TV and watches the big bullying moment um, comes back and at least he gets the girl at the end. Roy gets the girl. Well, I think one, one point though, is that the reason why Claudia left the left them at the hotel and took their money is because the boy, the abusive boyfriend showed back up. Right. And basically and, threatened and he, her. Yeah. yeah. He took, the, he's the one that took the money. Right. Yeah. And yeah, made her go with them, which sucked, but yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, the typical once again, um, like abusive relationship where he's manipulative and, 
you know, they think that she's the one that turned, but she eventually escapes again and explains the situation and they all sort of have a, uh, a reunion. But um, there is a point towards the end where Ishmael's, I think his brother shows up yes. and sort of like, he's got his, his face deep into a girl's cleavage because yes. <laughs> he can't stand to watch. Uh, he's wearing like a, a fishing hat or something like a oh, denim no. jacket. He's got like oh. a magazine, a beer, a cigarette. He's got like yeah. everything going at yeah, once. The, the style of clothing that he was wearing was very typical for the mid nineties. Yes. <laughs> he, he looked like a, a mid nineties teenager, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is very funny. Cause they, they sort of like, he's very childish this whole movie. He's treated like a child. He's told to hang out with the kids and then he's just so naive and impressionable through the whole movie. But, um, it has a sort of night it does have a sort of happy ending because they show back up um roy and claudia show back up to the um uh amish community and explain the whole thing and explain how uh great ishmael was and all the stuff that he did for them and um how he tried to save the farm and they you know sort of thank him they not only accept him back but they celebrate him like you found your thing congratulations thank you for all you did like he gets yeah. welcome back with open arms um yeah. i'm not gonna lie i get very sensitive when it comes to like feel good stuff in movies which is why i tend to stick to horror movies is because there's not a lot of the feel good stuff <laughs> yeah because i always end up like having a tear in my eye and i always cry and the mic makes fun of me and so yeah i did i did have like some tears standing in my eyes when when uh the dad said he was proud of ishmael for you know helping helping roy turn his life around and yeah, yeah it gives him a big hug and yeah, yeah that was it's good to see yeah. touching yeah after all that shit he went through um it does have a nice ending and then of course we get a uh very funny amish cameo at the end from the blues traveler oh my gosh yeah yeah well john popper he was the he was the announcer at the bowling tournament yeah and uh yeah so they come back and they're dressed and they have the full beards and they perform (laughs) uh, a very 90s song as as the movie closes out as the amish people all dance and uh a great fun ending, but man, I I do still love this movie, but like it doesn't hold up quite as well as I remember. Um, I don't know if time has probably not been kind to it, uh, but I still think great performances from everybody all around. Yeah, totally. Um, I would I would have to agree. Um, it's it's a movie I would watch again. It's not one that I would watch like all the time. But yeah, I would watch it again. I was totally watch it again. I think most of the times I've watched it have been on either like cable late at night. That's probably 90% of the watches for me. If I'm flipping through, it's on like TBS at two in the morning. I would stop and watch it when it's like halfway through. I can't remember the last time I chose to watch it and put it in up until this point for the podcast. So it was nice to like... I didn't remember that scene in in Iowa at the very beginning. There's a lot of lines that went over my head when I was younger that I picked up on this time. So um, I'm glad I got to rewatch it. Yeah, there. I mean, there was. I was I was honestly disappointed in Roy because it looked like he and his dad had a really really good relationship. You know, him growing up and he's like, yeah. When they when he and Vanessa Angel are are back at the their their family filling station you know back Mm -hmm. in the back alley where he was his dad was teaching him he's like yeah dad passed away 10 years ago i heard he passed away 10 years ago i was like what right that yeah that was a sad moment because it's like the one person that believed in him before ishmael was his dad his dad was like he gave him a pocket watch he did every like 
totally yeah and it, you would it's like sad that he never got to see him live up to his potential like even if yeah. he lost at the end he still he became a better person and he got that close with one hand i mean still pretty damn good yeah um yeah overall i liked it i mean it wasn't it wasn't like the best movie i've ever seen i feel like even though it came out two years later i think this movie is is overshadowed by the big lebowski yeah i can see that and and I, I from the Fairley Brothers point definitely overshadowed by um the movies that sandwiched it. I mean Dumb and Dumber and um uh there's something about Mary. Like those two were huge. Like people still quote those. People still, you know, like this movie does not have bo- the same both, moments as those two. Both those movies have Lynn Shay in them. Oh yeah. What is she in uh I know she's what roles does she playing both of them? Um, in Dumb and Dumber, she is the dog lady. Okay. Um, so, like, um, she's the one that has the dogs that I guess it's Jeff Bridges. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Um, Jeff Bridges is transporting her dog for a dog show, and when, when he gets, like, ketchup and mustard all over it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, when they open the door, I guess, instead of, like, screaming or whatever, she she decided it was her choice to, to whimper like a dog. So, like, <laughs> when, when they open the door, she sees the dog. She's all like, mm. <laughs> like, and that was her choice. And then, of course, there's something about Mary. She was the neighbor. Yeah. With the with this really saggy boobs. Yes. <laughs> uh, which, funny enough, she actually has those boobs. She has them in a shadow box in her den. That's uh, I don't know. I, I, if I, I think went... that's awesome. Like it's oh, it's like an iconic prop. Like, oh from yeah. That movie. Yeah, I'm just saying. So, like, yeah, if she... I went to her house, like to hang out, it was just <laughs> it's definitely a conversation starter. That's for oh, sure. Oh, totally, totally. But once again, sort of shows that she's so so self aware and. <laughs> can oh, realize yeah. like the humor and the like like how iconic that scene in that movie is yeah and it's just it's so funny because to hear her talk on um different podcasts uh she i mean she played the i can't even remember what her name was and there's something about mary but of course and then the, the landlord or the landlady and and kingpin and then um just her various other roles that she has been in where they do not make her up at all mm-hmm. um she talks about elise and in, insidious where i mean she does not look her age she's very very beautiful i believe and right and insidious and she talks about oh she's just this i don't know why everybody likes elise so much she's just this ugly old lady blah 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 and i'm like i'm thinking that's like your best looking role <laughs> yeah like so but yeah yeah you think about some people like uh some of these actors that like you almost never see in with outside of makeup like you know for a long time like robert england like every role he played he was covered in makeup and you know some of the stuff it's like you have to i'm sure they appreciate stuff like like she does insidious where it's like she doesn't have to be you know under a, a bunch of makeup and prosthetics and that she just gets to be her yeah, like I mean, I just think I think she's very beautiful and insidious. Like I, I just lo- I love the Elise character. It's it's she's, I I don't know. There's something about the Elise character that that really drew me in, wanted to make me learn more about the actress itself, or you know herself. So she's been on probably a whole lot of podcasts. Is she pretty uh, like? talkative she good guess oh my gosh she is <laughs> she is very very talkative very very talkative um i think i've yeah. heard her on uh back several years ago when i listened to nerdist a lot she was on that uh promoting. that's the that's the one that i did not listen to because i couldn't get it to load but yeah, yeah 
um, she's been on several, several ones. Um, the JV Club was one of them that I listened to. Um, I can't remember the names of the other ones, but yeah, it's it's pretty much all the same stories. But they're she's 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 pretty interesting. She's a pretty interesting lady. Well, let's take a quick break, and then when I get back, I have sort of a fun list of um, facts and trivia from this movie. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back, and I have a little bit of trivia I pulled off of um, IMDb and a few other sites when I was uh, just searching to see some behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, this one I had heard before, but I think it's fascinating. Uh, Bill Murray really bowled three strikes in a row in the scene where his character Ernie McCracken does the same. The crowd's reaction is genuine and is actually for Bill Murray. Um, Woody Harrelson, on the other hand, was a terrible bowler and, according to the Farrelly brothers, maybe got one or two strikes throughout the entire filming of the, the movie. Nice. So, uh, yeah, during that competition at the end, that was they didn't have to do any editing. Bill Murray actually bowled three strikes. They got a, a genuine crowd reaction out of that, um, which I think is awesome. So he's pretty good at two of the most boring sports in the whole world, <laughs> yeah. bowling and golf. Yeah, pretty much. And and I think golf is like his like favorite pastime too. He's, oh, he's totally. always doing those celebrity golf things. Yeah. Um, Peter Farrelly called the film's box office failure the biggest disappointment of their career, attributing the failure of its release during the nineteen to the 1996 Olympics. So this came out during the Olympics, and they don't think people uh, went out to see movies. They said that it was crushing. However. He said that six to eight months later, when the film was released on home video, it became a big hit. No, do you think it did? I think it has a cult following. I mean, um, I know in my circle of friends, we all would watch it as as kids. But I mean, you know, I think people, I, like I said, it's still it's sandwiched between the Fairleys, Dumb and Dumber, and something about Mary, which are two that are very much well more well more well known oh, than this. Yeah. Um, have much bigger fan base but i think you know i'm sure home video back in the day before streaming you know when everybody's buying vhs and and eventually dvd this was probably uh had like an underground following hmm. um as is the case with most of his films bill murray ad-libbed virtually every line he spoke including the commercial he would read over the script, get the general idea, and then discard it. The Farrelly brothers on the DVD commentary said that they're very glad he did because his lines were funnier than, than the writers. Mm, I think that's giving him too much credit. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's just <laughs> I, I I've heard that he sort of does that in general, but um I yeah, I don't know. I mean it sort I've of seen... depends on the writers and if you know, I, I imagine he probably did several takes, you know. Right. And I I have absolutely nothing 
wrong or nothing against like ad libbing because a lot of times you get the best the best lines there's that rumor that jack nicholson is the one that ad libbed here's johnny mm-hmm. in the scene from the shining i mean but yeah that doesn't surprise me with him though yeah with it, with bill murray yeah i imagine it was a lot of fun on set with uh this cast yeah um according to the Fairley brothers yeah th- this is sort of uh, what we already talked about, but um, according to the Fairley brothers, they didn't initially take Lynn Shay seriously after having already cast her in a small role in Dumb and Dumber. Um, however, when she came in to read for the movie, she was mistaken for a homeless person looking for an ashtray. They politely tried to yep. get her out, realizing it was her, and until realizing it was her in character for the reading. They were yeah. blown away and didn't see anyone else for the role. Um, she sub- subsequently appeared in more of their films thereafter. Yep. Uh, that did, just, yeah, I just, I just love that story about how, like, that's just her, she cr- basically created that character. It's just awesome. Yeah, it'd be hard to see, like, anybody else, even though it's such a small role. It's probably one, th- that scene that we talked about earlier is probably the most memorable of this whole movie. Oh, totally. Uh, getting into a little casting that I, I teased earlier, this is very interesting. According to Chris Farley's agent, Doug Robinson, Chris was offered the part of Ishmael but his contractual obligation to appear in black sheep derailed this plan. Oh, wow. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine Chris Farley as Ishmael. I mean, he, he plays a really good idiot, but, um, but it's like, it's like the same character in all his movies. Right. Yeah. And this, this character was not like those other characters that Chris Farley played. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, we'll never see it, so it's sort of uh, tough to debate it. But I mean, I think the movie is perfectly cast as it is, and absolutely, I yeah. agree. Um, Will Ferrell provided several of the background shoutouts uncredited. So, like a lot of times when you hear a line yelled from outside of the screen, it was Will Ferrell. Wow, I did not know that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Urge Overkill is the band that performs the Star Spangled Banner at the Reno tournament. Um, so I, that's when I was like, when I, I watched this again, I'm like, I don't recognize that band. And I, I'm not sure who o- urge overkill is, but I imagine they're like a metal band that was popular in the nineties. I, I've never heard of them. And you know, I, my older teenagers were in the, the mid nineties and, um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember them. Maybe they have like a, they probably have like one hit or something around there that probably. I'm forgetting about. But um, when I saw them, I'm like, that has to be some kind of band that got a cameo. Because um, I think about like an Airheads, they had White Zombie and, uh, you know, they've, there's always been sort of a, like a weird crossover of comedy and, and like rock bands. Right. Um, let's see. Michael Keaton was originally considered for the role of Roy Munson. Oh, see, I couldn't see that either. Yeah, I mean, he's he can be pretty funny, but mostly, you know, oh, totally. known for his serious stuff. Um, because his early his early career was mostly um like comedy, like Mr. Mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that because around that time he was still doing like like Batman was eighty nine, so mm-hmm. like right after that it was just mostly serious roles for him. Yeah, he was another one that sort of uh disappeared for a while then came back strong and i love seeing him and and new stuff like if i see him in something i'm gonna go check it out absolutely uh this one's funny nicholas cage turned down the role of roy munson oh can you imagine that (laughs) that would have made it like a hundred percent better 
he, if it was Nicholas Cage. Well, I mean, you look back at like Raising Arizona, he's fucking great. Oh my movie. gosh, he is hilarious. Yeah, he is absolutely I, people people and and this I could do a whole podcast on like defending Nick Cage cuz Oh, me too. Like the new generation, they know him as like the crazy guy who is in bad movies. Like the dude won an Oscar. He is actually really really fantastic when you give him a good movie. Like Oh yeah. He acts up to the level of the movie. You can't you can't replace a bad script with a good a good actor, but if you put him in and and we've had some good stuff from him recently. I mean, uh he's sort of having a resurgence, but looking back at this time, like, you know, he was in, uh, in David Lynch movies. He was in, um, like I said, raising Arizona, like he was awesome. He was back then in 96, this, that would have been right around the time of uh face off when he was like in his action yep. star thing. So I imagine that's probably why he turned it down. Cause he was doing like the whole action guy. He, I mean, he was on big screen. Oh, yeah, there was there, like, eight millimeter and snake eyes. And... Yeah. The Rock. I've got kind of got a huge Nicolas Cage collection. Oh, Con, wasn't was Con Air around that time as well? Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that was ninety five or ninety six. Also, so it would have been a weird role for him because he was sort of, uh, like I said, the action guy at that point, doing um, the more. I don't even know if you call them serious roles, but doing more of the actiony big right. uh, Hollywood popcorn movies. So uh, yeah. I can imagine that's why he turned that down, and then. This other, there's two two more that are uh, very interesting. Jim Carrey was the first choice of the Farrelly brothers to play Ernie, which he's very oh. good and physical, but I don't. I, he's yeah. never really been sort of a. Has he been the mean douchebag? I don't know. Well, Cable Guy. I mean, or is that what? It, yeah, Cable yeah, Guy. He's he, he kind of he kind of turns he kind of turns like psychotic, like bad guy, but not like douchey bad guy. Right, just sort of crazy. So, yeah, I mean, he, he hams it up in every role, too. But I think, once again, they got the right choice with Bill Murray for that one. Yeah, I, I agree. And this one's really weird. George Clooney was considered for the role oh. of Stanley Osmanowski. So that was, that would have been like a him. small role, but uh, I could see that. Which one was that? Was that the boyfriend? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Hmm. No, I couldn't. No, I couldn't see him as that. Yeah, as that and that again, that was like prime Clooney '90s, right out of ER. Like I don't, I, a second I, ER. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine him like taking, you know, this sort of comedy role either. But well, I mean, he he again got his start in comedy because he was on another show called ER, which was a comedy. It was a sitcom. Okay. Um, and uh, then he was on The Facts of Life, and then um, of course, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Right. So, I mean, like, and all those were pretty much comedy roles. Oh, and Return to Horror High. I forgot about that one. Yeah, a pretty small role in that one. Um, Roy dreams that the gambler will pay him $1 million to sleep with Ishmael. This is a reference <laughs> to Indecent Proposal, also yes. starring Harrelson. So a funny little nod to another one of his movies from uh, a few years earlier, which I, I've i never seen Indecent Proposal, but I, I think it's hilarious when they reference, like, other popular movies from that time. Absolutely. I forgot. I actually forgot he was in that movie. I knew I knew the reference, but I forgot that he was in the movie because he was Demi Moore's boyfriend, I think, in the movie. That's cool. And then uh, the last one that's really funny to me, uh, this is sort of a crazy story. The Fairley brothers asked Michael Richards, who played Kramer on Seinfeld, <laughs> to come in to discuss a role in the movie. But the conversation didn't go particularly well, and there was a disagreement. At one point, Richards asked to use their private restroom in their office. 
Um, they allowed it, but after Richards didn't return from the bathroom within half an hour, they had to break down the door to see if he was okay. Um, that's when they discovered that he had climbed out the window and left. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he's sort of like Kramer in real life. Oh my gosh. But I can imagine him playing something in here. I mean, he's such a physical uh, comedy actor, but again, like he suffers from that thing where you don't see him as anything but Kramer. I mean, he's great in UHF. So oh my gosh, I know. fantastic yeah. in that. Um, and then, you know, he's great in airheads, but he sort of just plays like, like you said, Chris Farley, he plays the same character and everything, you know, he's like a fumbling idiot, but I don't know. He probably could have fit somewhere in here. I don't know. Maybe, uh, Ishmael, or I don't know. yeah. Or someone at the, yeah, I don't know. He, he could have just played another zany, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't play the douchebag good. He wouldn't play the arrogant type thing. Well, so I imagine they were thinking about Ishmael for him, but I still think that they got the casting, right? Absolutely. I still want to know how they got Randy Quaid to look so young. <laughs> Maybe but, makeup. I don't know. I don't know. Cause that was, that would have been prior to like CGI and all the, the reface stuff that they're doing now. Right. So it's just like, and it's just, it's just mind blowing to me. He just doesn't even look old. Yeah. I know that the one of them, I think Peter fairly was in Fairfield, Iowa, like a few years ago. Um, they're big into the transcendental meditation and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that whole town is, into that and they have the uh, david lynch foundation and so every once in a while they'll get like a celebrity who's into the the oh. meditation um and they come and like do a speech and stuff so he was there showing i forget if it was something about mary or, or it was like an anniversary at the college and it was some it was a night i had something else booked here in town i was so bummed because i just i just wanted to go ask him questions but um yeah. Is that is that how the the twin that guy from Twin Peaks ended up over in Fairfield? Yeah, yeah. There's uh so many connections over there. Like like Lynch has his whole film school there. Um, and then he has like a whole center there. So he comes back every once in a while. Jim Carrey's been there several times. I think he That's... spoke at their graduation ceremony. Yeah, Mike told me that. Um, I just I think it's awesome. Yeah, they're in. It's like to me, it's like and 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 this will be a whole different conversation. But um, I've always sort of seen it as like the opposite of Scientology. Like there's a right. lot of celebrities that are really into that. And it sort of ha is painted in a negative light where I think the transcendental meditation is really cool. Like it's a positive right. thing. Um, we actually went and saw uh, one of the actresses and singers from Twin Peaks at like this little cafe in Fairfield, like oh, really? a few years ago. Um, and it was, it was really awesome meeting her and talking to her and they've, yeah, they've had several, um, of the actors just sort of visit the film school and then they'll do stuff around town. So but doesn't the, doesn't the one guy live there? I th I'm trying to think of who it is, but there is somebody from the show. I think it was uh, the guy that played Sherilyn Finn's dad. Okay. I want to say that's who it is. I think you're right. Um, yeah. And, and Cause every time we go over there, I tell Mike, I'm looking for him. I'm always scanning people that's on the street. I'm looking for yeah, him. It's, it's such a small town that you could probably go into like a coffee shop and, and, and like ask and they'd be like, Oh, he just lives over, you know, wherever. And yeah, I'm, I'm a huge, I don't know if Mike told you, but I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. Oh yeah. I, when I had uh, those guys on yeah. for my first episode, <laughs> Mike was like, Brandy's going to be mad that I watched it for you and not her. And I'm like, well, now she gets, I should get um, brownie points because I finally got him to start it. And now you can finish it with her. But I don't know if, if he ever continued it. I know Jason did for a bit. 
We did. We, we, we tried to continue it and then I don't remember what happened, but yeah. Cause when I found the whole entire series on VHS still sealed at Goodwill, I was like, we do you, we watch this with me. And he's like, yeah. And then he, then he said he forgot. So, and that's when he watched it with Jason for your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they only, like I said, I know Jason, I think Jason got into the second season. I sort of warned him like, second beginning of second season gets a little rough um but you got make it through it so you can get to the end and then get to the return because the return's fucking great well i need to get through it because i haven't seen fire walk with me and you know who's in fire walk with me is lynn shay in that david bowie is in that oh i thought you were gonna say lynn shay was somehow in it. i'm like <laughs> no, i know lynn david shay. i know dave bowie's in it uh but uh yeah, I, I uh, actually Andy gave me like the Criterion version of Firewalk with me um, oh, nice. a few years ago because he got an extra for his at his wedding as a gift. And uh, yeah, I, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan, too. And uh, maybe that was something that that we should we should watch sometime is uh, Firewalk with me and talk about it. We make make uh, everybody after they get through the, the first two seasons, they can watch it and we can have like a, a regroup of the same group from that first um uh, that watched the uh the first episode right yeah because uh getting them to finally watch it was like a huge accomplishment for me because mike and jason sort of both were avoiding it just to piss me off i think <laughs> um but i was like I'm... you're denying yourself a great show so oh totally i watched it when it was on like because i'm old um but yeah i watched it when it was actually on tv like first run and I loved it then. I was big into weird stuff back then, and it just kind of stuck with me. And I've, it's always been one of my favorites. It's such a crazy phenomenon to happen with have a David Lynch show on ABC that was like so wild. Like it would never happen again on network TV like that. Oh, no. Um, no. But, you know, it was like a flash in a pan, and we were lucky enough. Uh, have you seen The Return? I have not. Oh man, like um, I know that David Bowie was slated to be on the show, and then he passed away. So they, I, I don't know if they recast the character or if they just deleted that character do altogether. You, do you want to know? Yeah. He is played by like a large coffee pot. <laughs> nice. Like this big metal machine is That's, plays a character. Wow. Um, anybody who passed away, they replaced by like or like trees or like inanimate objects. It's really strange. So so what, is that the log lady? Did the log lady pass away before they did the reboot? No, she passed away right after, so she's in it. Okay. Yeah, and she's she looks very very rough, but she's in it. Um, a lot of people started passing away right after they finished, which is uh, it, I'm happy that they got to be in it, but it's sort of like sad that you know they're dropping really quick and. Well, I mean, it was the '80s, and they were older. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, and have you seen the documentary about the uh, house? Like Andy sent me this short little documentary about um, the actual house from Twin Peaks, uh, Laura Palmer's house and the lady who owns it now. Um, it's on YouTube. No, I'll have to send you. No, a I don't later. think I have. Yeah, totally. But we, we could talk all Twin Peaks all night. But um, <laughs> did you have any final thoughts on Kingpin? Oh, it was good. Um, Lynn Che was amazing in it. Um, she did turn my stomach, but it was worth it. And I'm glad that um, I finally got around to watching it to to talk about it on your show yeah i'm so glad i had you on so you could provide some lynchay insight yes uh 
and you know like i said anytime you're welcome to come back uh you should just have your own lynch a podcast since you're watching everything <laughs> you could just do a series of her movies and it would be awesome well, i got i kind of got away from lynch a, though i kind of it kind of petered out as as soon as it, it came along like it was just because there's so she's got so many movies i was gonna say did um, you run out or did you just sort of like get overwhelmed no. It's it's overwhelming because I I did I binged probably twenty of her movies in two weeks, so it's just like. So how, how many IMDb credits does she have? Let me look her up here. I think it's almost. I want to say it's almost two hundred. Well, that doesn't surprise me. She's a workhorse. Well, she started in. What year was that? Her very first movie. She had a. Two part. Yeah, she had a bit part as a prostitute. Um, I think in the credits she was labeled as hooker. And um, Hester she, Street. Yes, Hester Street. And she took her mom and dad to go see it because she was so proud that she landed her first role. Um, at the very end of the movie, after the credits ro- were rolling, her, her mom saw her name in the credits and saw that it said Lynch A, hooker or prostitute. I can't remember what, <laughs> what it was. And her mom promptly got up, went to the bathroom and threw up. Oh, yeah, so she felt horrible about that. And then she continued to play um, uh, prostitutes again. But the funny thing is that she was in a movie called The Long Riders, which was in 1980 or 81. Mm-hmm. And it was a Western, and it had um, a bunch of uh, Hollywood brothers. So Randy and Dennis Quaid were were in the movie, and then the Carradine brothers, and then Stacy Keach. Mm-hmm. And his brother were in it. Um, and the only scene that she was in in The Long Rider, she played another prostitute. And she was actually dancing with Randy Quaid out on a dance floor. A small, small world, you yeah. know. So don't, don't need the six gre- degrees of Kevin Bacon to connect. No, no. You do the two degrees of Lynn Shea. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like looking on her IMDb and she just, it's crazy. Alone in the dark. She, she was in that Twilight Zone. Uh so critters uh oh yes we watched critters and i actually just bought a critters t-shirt just because she was in it the running man critters 2 all kinds of stuff i mean i, I could just like scroll through here and just list them for all night but um, oh yeah 208 Jeez. that's that's fantastic yeah but i would recommend seeing uh room for rent i think i think you would like it that's I the think one it, it, yeah. oh she was in um project alf the alf movie was she? I didn't even know there was an ALF movie. She plays a waitress in the TV ALF movie called Project ALF. See, I didn't even know that. And I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge ALF fan. So. I didn't even know they had an ALF movie. But I, I'll always remember her also from uh, Detroit Rock City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. I, I think a lot of people would probably, rec- like, when they see her, they're like, oh, that's the lady from Detroit Rock City. Yeah, I haven't. It was She was the mom of the one kid, wasn't she? Yep. I haven't seen that movie in probably 20 years. That's one worth uh, from her from her filmography rechecking out because that one's still really good. Yeah, I'm trying to start at the top and work my way down. Uh, Snakes on a plane. Yes, I did watch that one. I saw that one in theaters, but I haven't seen it since. I didn't remember that she was in it, but it makes sense. She's yeah, she was one of the stewardesses on the plane. Okay. So yeah, thanks again for coming on. Did you have any final thoughts on uh, Lynch A or the movies or anything? Lynch A is amazing. Go watch everything she's in. Do you have anywhere people can check out your artwork? Um, I am on Facebook. My studio is called Silver Werewolf Studios. Um, it's that's the the name of it on Facebook. Uh, I have an Instagram page, but it's just mine. It's Trude or Dare, um, and my artwork's on there as well. Awesome. So I, th- I assume on your Instagram they can see your uh, cosplay as well. 
Yes. Um, I've, I've met one of the guys from Reno number one. So I've got pictures of us on there too. Um, so, so yeah, um, it's my cosplay and my artwork. Perfect. Uh, thanks again so much for coming on and we'll have to have you back on soon. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.